0: Welcome to the Future of Money podcast by the Digital Euro Association. In this podcast, you will learn about the disruption of technology in the monetary and financial system. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome everyone, my name is Valentin Seehausen, I'm the CEO of the Digital Euro Association and with me is Dr. Kimo Zorameki, founder and CEO of FNA, a company that provides simulations around our favorite topic, digital euros and uh, digital money and um, CBDCs. Hi Kimmo, thank you very much for taking the time to be in our podcast. And um, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your um, what made you found the FNA.
0: Thanks a lot, and uh, great to be here. Um, so actually, I have a rather long uh, history in uh, in digital money and electronic uh, payments and and payment systems. Uh, I started at my my career at the Bank of Finland in in the late 90s and uh, and built a, um, a simulator, a payment system simulator. I think it was the first one ever built at that, that point of time, uh, when we were looking at, uh, at how the uh, payment systems and the banks uh, liquidity will change when Finland was uh, joining the uh, European Union and the Interbank payment system target. Um, since then, I, I worked at, at, at quite a number of different central banks. I was uh, working at the European Central Bank, uh, uh, in payment systems oversight looking actually quite a lot into electronic payments and we even even set up a little uh, observatory called the electronic payment systems observatory back then uh, to, um this was uh, the early 2000s uh, when we were uh, seeing a lot of um, new innovation in, in this space, and uh, there was already 20 years ago quite a lot of discussion around uh, uh, should central banks, for example, be issuing some day central bank digital currency. So this discussion is uh, is not uh, not that new, uh, but of course now it's uh, much more actual than it was uh, back then. Uh, when the financial crisis came, uh, I was uh, working at the um, New York Fed's research department, um, and um, we were looking at how all the banks are interconnected uh, through the uh, through the financial system, through exposures, um, and um, and when the crisis hit, of course, everyone was very interested in understanding these interconnections and interdependencies. That we use network analysis to uh, to identify and and track and and uh, and um, and map uh, in in visualizations. So this led actually me to the insight that. Uh, probably central bank supervisors are going to have much more data about all these intricate connections in the financial system much more granular data around loans payments and everything that is happening in the financial system uh, and uh, and i set up a consulting company first and uh, then later fna um, as a technology company or a or a, or a software company to um, to provide the technology for supervisors and central banks to to understand uh, these. Uh, a financial system in a more data-driven way, um, understanding and mapping the networks, uh, and then be able to simulate them for for different types of scenarios or failures or uh, adaptation scenarios, and and that's how I set up FNA, which stands for Financial Network Analytics, uh, eight years ago, and um, and uh, we are we've been growing very strong um, ever since, and uh, and um, have our. Uh, technology deployed at a number of central banks. Um, I think the latest exciting development that we did was to build this uh, what we call the Cbdc simulator. Um, and um, and that that's what I want to talk more about today.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Kimo. And um before we talk about the Cbdc simulator, um one personal question, if you allow you, have an you've got an age index of 19 which um, is pretty high and I think you could also choose to become a professor so and um, what made you um, choose the path of like create, starting your own company about your scientific research that is obviously pretty strong
0: yeah I think uh, you referred to citations of, uh, of my research papers so I said from, yes. from the early on um, I was always interested in a in uh, writing research and uh, and publishing uh, publishing research papers, I think that age index comes uh, um, largely from the work that i've been doing around simulating um, interbank payment systems um, because that was an area that uh, that um, didn't exist before 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 I built the first simulator and then the other one is uh, we we published this uh, this paper looking at the uh, the, how the banks are interconnected in the U.S. banking system through the payments they make in Fedwire uh, right before the financial crisis. <laughs> so, so uh, so it was the timing was very good um, uh, because everyone was asking this question, and that the results of the paper were also used in congressional hearings uh, uh, to argue that regulators actually should have more granular granular data. So I think uh, in a way it's uh, having been early early on doing doing research on new things that became bigger later. Um, um, why, why I set up a company is because I, I want to actually the goal of the company has always been to be a bridge between uh, research and uh, practice or getting them into into operational use cases. Uh, quite often this uh, time lab, lag can be decades uh, that something is already known in the research area but isn't really being deployed in, in practice. Uh, so I, I wanted the, the company to to be able to pull from different branches of research and implement it into a software that goes into, the, into operational use cases much faster than, than, uh, than before.
1: That's very interesting, especially to me as an economist. So you are basically taking the modern research and you apply it directly right because this is a faster track
0: yeah and implementing in our software and making it easy to use uh, for others uh, so that's also part of the cbdc simulator so there's and um, there's model behind it but the simulator what it does uh, is makes it uh, easier for people to use through point and click user interfaces uh, and then um, idea is that there is more adup- adoption for this type of technology as well as a result
1: Okay, perfect. So you've been modeling um, the banking sector and um, the interpayments and then at one moment of the time you chose to um, create the CBDC simulator. When was this?
0: It was probably around uh, one year ago or maybe we started conversations around one and a half years ago um, when uh, when it started to get clear that uh, CBDCs uh, that had previously been pretty much a uh, a concept that maybe someday um, they will come, uh, but they, they, they started to really get traction. And I think there are a number of reasons why they started to get traction. One is uh, one is, of course, related to COVID and the fact that uh, um, a lot of uh, people in the emerging world had to stay at home, but they didn't have online means of payment because they they didn't have bank accounts. So there's a very strong financial inclusion angle um, because of the crypto uh, world. I think uh, there's a little bit of a threat, uh, um, but also also at the same time showing an opportunity that we can create uh, digital assets uh, that can be traded. Um, so there was always a technology question as well, and a lot of the central banks uh, have actually been doing a lot of uh, technology testing projects in the last years. Um, so then I was thinking that the next question probably will be around, uh, okay, so we can technically do it um, and uh, there are reasons why we should do it enough. Uh, but uh, how can we implement it in a way that is safe for the economy um, and uh, that we get enough adoption for the, uh, for the, uh, for the uh, CBDC, uh, so that they can be launched in a safe and efficient manner. Um, and everyone who is in that, there's lots of stakeholders. Uh, so every one of the stakeholders uh, has a view and understanding how the new systems would work. And we've been doing these uh, simulations in the large value payment side for the last 20 years. Uh, uh, and, um, and that's the standard way of introducing a new, new system is to uh, simulate it first and uh, show how it would work if it's live, to stress test it uh, uh, against cyber attacks, against financial, uh, c- financial stress scenarios and so forth. Uh. Uh, so, um, so it's uh, I just thought it would be prudent uh, to do the same thing, and uh, from the lessons we learned from the large-value payment side, to uh, apply them in this uh, in this retail space as well, because there's uh, lots of uh, lots of concerns uh, that um, different stakeholders have, uh, ranging from uh, disintermediation to national security concerns uh, to sovereignty. Uh, um, um, and then there are at the same time lots of different configurations that you can, there's lots of different CBDC uh, variations around, uh, so which one should you use and what kind of uh, parameters should you put on it uh, for account balance, uh, caps on account balances or transaction limits or, or other types of, uh, of parameters. Uh, um, who should use it first? Uh, there's I think just a myriad of questions that, uh, that modeling can answer or give some, some, give some, give some insights to.
1: Great, you're answering uh, many questions uh, without me asking them, (laughs) perfect. Um, Yes, you you just said like which concerns um, are most relevant for central banks, and um, I assume that central banks are your main customers for the CBDC simulator, right?
0: Uh, So we've been mostly working together with central banks uh, on on building the model um, and um, and talking to them and asking about their concerns and uh, what kind of features the model should have and how it should operate. uh, But I think everyone who is affected by the um, CBDC, so that means the central banks will be affected um, because they have quite a number of financial stability, monetary policy, payment system oversight uh, questions around the CBDC when it's launched, uh, but also the banks, the banking sector, um, there will, might be deposit outflows from banks uh, um, and, um, and uh, also the card companies will be affected uh, because um, some of the card transactions might um, or would likely um, migrate into a CBDC. Um, and the cash cycle will be affected because intention with the CBdc is that cash will be useless so I think all the actors across the uh the uh, retail payment cycle will have an interest in understanding how the cbdcs will affect their their business their risks um, and um, and um, and and how what would be the optimal outcome from their perspective uh, how the cBdc should be set up
1: Yeah, that makes absolute sense um And I try to imagine your daily life, your daily work, you're working together with like central banks and central bankers. And obviously, they have a lot of in-house experience and like very like good economists working at central banks, obviously. Um, How um, how is the actual like daily daily life where you compare your results to maybe the results of in-house models?
0: Yeah, so uh agent so our model is based on what is known as agent based modeling uh, so what we uh, what we do in the simulation is that we create the agents uh, so in this case the agents would be uh, consumers making payments merchants accepting payments uh, they do some some uh, transactions uh, there will be commercial banks in our model who um, who will um, uh, give the uh, CBdc or people can top up their uh, CBdc wallets from from their. From the central bank accounts they will be the issuer of the cbdc the central bank and each one of these, um, these um, agents uh, have their own behaviors uh, that we can that we can uh, calibrate from from real data that we see in the economy they have uh, patterns of interaction these type of consumers will interact with these types of merchants uh, um, they try to optimize their behaviors. They make decisions about how often to top up uh, uh, which payment instrument to use. Uh, so we, in a, we try to create that uh, that uh, the whole environment in a, in a simulation model and then we then we let that play out uh, um, uh, with the parameters that we gave it uh, and uh, and see what are the outcomes uh, for for different output parameters like uh, how much do the um, deposit balances uh, get reduced. Uh, um, how many people will end up using CBDC for transactions, uh, and so forth? Uh, it's in a way the similar type of modeling that um, that has been done for the um, the coronavirus in the last uh, years. Uh, that has been the basis of a lot of uh, policy decisions by governments, uh, uh, where you know, like you look at how people interact, uh, and uh, then instead of uh, instead of making payments, they, uh, there there's a chance that uh, the virus will uh, will uh, catch the other person from that interaction. So it's a similar type of modeling. And this type of modeling hasn't traditionally been done so much at central banks. Uh, central banks have maybe more focused on, on macroeconomic models and, uh, and uh, DSGE models. Um, they, they're, they're, in the recent years, there has been quite a number of different agent-based models uh, being used uh, by the Bank of England, by others. Uh, uh, but it is something that uh, they are quite quite time consuming to build. Um, so, uh, so therefore um, maybe maybe haven't been so so widely adapted by the, by the central banks. But then again, because they are very time-consuming to build, the fact that we've built already uh, for a year uh, a very good uh, baseline of, uh, of an agent-based model that can then be adapted to different scenarios and different questions much, much quicker uh, than uh, if you uh, need to start uh, this type of modelling from scratch.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for introducing ABMs, agent-based models, to our audience. And um, just to give a little bit of context to our audience, um, I think in economics there's this um, this trend of like using different forms of models than uh, DSGE, while DSGEs like are obviously still like the the main model to go. But um, just for my very very subjective Um, perspective, there are a lot of young students that like ABMs because they are so technical, right? And my question to you just from a general perspective would be, is this also possible because we have more computing power? Like our agent based models, is it only possible like right now because everyone has basically a good computer to, to, to run the simulations?
0: Um, I, I think it's, um, that's probably one of the reasons so that there's technology that uh, allows you to run larger scale uh, simulations and maybe economy wide simulations. Um, but I think the real, real power of agent based models is that, uh, is that you can bake a lot of uh, little institutional details and uh, non-linearities um, in there. Um, and um, and uh, then you see how those affect when they interact with other rules uh, in, in the system. Um, and this, this is um, more difficult to do with uh, more macro, macroscopic models. Um, on the other hand, this means that uh, the agent-based models will have a lot of parameters and you can get any type of result uh, from agent-based models. So they're not very good perhaps for prediction uh, what will happen, but they're very good at understanding the dynamics within the system and uh, understanding how different policy decisions, what kind of repercussions they might have uh, that you didn't maybe think of um, in, in advance um so um so i think both types of models have have their uh, uses um uh, maybe answer a little bit different questions um and can be used to answer more 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 detailed questions the agent based model while the while the macro macroeconomic models are more aggregate and maybe perhaps used more for prediction uh,
1: cool <clears throat> thank you very much um for this um I would love to go deeper, but I think we should um, not focus too much on the technical details. Um, Very happy to do this in in a member's uh, event, maybe with you, with interested economists um, that reach out to us. Let's um, focus on a more um, higher level. One question, um, you partnered with the German company um, Giesecke and um, Devrient, G&D. What are your goals from this partnership?
0: Yeah, g and I think is a very exciting company and I'm not I don't know if many people uh, know about them. Uh, they they've been around for 160 years. Uh, um very uh, embedded um in the uh, in the cash uh, business. I think uh, like they print all the money in the world, uh, but they also provide a lot of uh technology to uh to um to um, um count and uh, handle and uh, and um, and operate the uh, the whole cash cycle. Um also invented the SIM card, so there's actually quite a quite a good tradition also for more more sort of electronic um, um, innovation. And uh, they've developed um, uh, what they call Philia, which is a CBDC uh, offering uh, that uh, could be, that can be um, uh, deployed in a country to provide um, a central bank digital currency by the by the central banker. And uh, the idea we had together was that, uh, that probably having a simulator to be able to show uh, how a CBDC would uh, would work in a country um, uh, would um, accelerate uh, the uh, the decision making around uh, around um, actually launching one because you can you can check off sort of risks uh, through simulation um, 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 for example you might be concerned that you will disintermediate the banks but we can show that hey with certain uh, configurations maybe that's not necessary um, and um, having having this uh, partnership I think is very very strong for us um, they have. Um, relationship with 150 central banks. Uh, we have also but different departments. Um, so I think uh, it's, it's quite exciting. So we started this uh, journey together to develop the simulator because we saw that there are a lot of synergies uh, between uh, the simulation and the actual actual uh, provision of the services. And this is also something that we do quite a lot in the, um, in the large value payment system side, working with the people who build systems uh, because um, they don't necessarily have the modeling capabilities uh, that, uh, that we have.
1: Thank you very much. The second time you've been mentioning disintermediation. Um, could you maybe explain what this is and what the concerns are obviously from banks and from central banks and um, companies like G&D and what would be the proposed solution to prevent a disintermediation?
0: Yeah. So, so money uh, <clears throat> money usually has three functions. So one is uh, as a unit of account. So we uh, go to the shops and we see the the prices in euros or pounds. Um, the other one is as a means of payment. Uh, we can actually use money to make a payment at the supermarket. Uh, and the third one is a store of value. Uh, so uh, it's the function that we can, uh, we can uh, store value in, our, in, 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 our, in, in the money. Um, and this was actually something that um, increased a lot during COVID. Uh, so I think uh, I don't remember exactly the statistics, but uh, it was something like 40% of all the banknotes that were printed in the US were printed last year. Uh, because so many people withdrew cash uh, in order to store value uh, because they were worried about the uh, coronavirus and, uh, and there was uh, very much demand, demand for cash. So that means when people draw cash from the ATMs, it, it goes out from their bank accounts. Um, so that's called disintermediation. You know, you know, one one form of disintermediation is the is that the bank's uh, deposits uh, will get reduced uh, because uh, people take out that cash. So if you have a central bank digital currency, how much money would people put into that central bank digital currency? Would they just use it as a means of payment and hold balances of uh, a few hundred uh, euro there, or would they? Um, would they put uh, 100,000 euro on the CBDC? Because it's a bit safer, um, the CBDC, than holding it at the bank, perhaps in some cir- circumstances. Generally, this would be the case. And we're not worried about holding money at the banks because the banks are supervised and says deposit insurance uh, and so forth. But still, you know, like there might be scenarios that, uh, that uh, people start hoarding money in their CBDC accounts rather than holding the money at the banks. And then the banks would not have this uh, source of uh, funds uh, uh, in the form of deposits, uh, as, as they have have today, um, and that uh, might create financial stability problems, might create uh, other types of problems in the credit, uh, uh, um, like uh, giving and uh, and uh, those uh, we don't want when we introduce a CBDC. We don't necessarily want to have these type of disruptions take place.
1: Yeah, right. Because we want to have financial
0: stability. Exactly right? because it's good, good, good for the society. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much um, for, for clearing this. Um, and yeah, you've got a lot of insights. I think maybe um, maybe you're one one person that has uh, one like one of the most um, insights of the space and um you just mentioned um that people would use a cbdc to store uh, money which um is obvious like which we call like a retail cbdc right where um people can have accounts um at the central bank or at a um account which is like totally backed by central bank money and um could you briefly explain um yeah which different forms of a CBDC you consider in your simulations.
0: Yeah, so the simulator we've built here uh, that we've been talking about is a um, is a retail CBdc so it's an agent-based model it's a little bit different than, we do also have simulators for the large value payment system so this is these are the uh, the systems that the banks use to exchange money with each other um, at the central banks so banks have accounts at the central banks when people have accounts at banks the banks have accounts at central banks uh, um, and um, that is uh, the other type of central bank money is the is the money that uh, the central bank. Uh, um, issues to to the banks or or the accounts that uh, the banks have at the central banks and uh, we as individuals don't currently have accounts at the central bank. Our central bank money is that we have available today is cash. Um, otherwise, we use uh, commercial bank money, which is the uh, which is the um, deposits uh, that we can use at commercial banks for for making payments. Uh, so um so we this simulator is uh, geared towards the retail CBDC. Um, it, towards uh, people, but we also do a lot of work in the large value payment system side uh, where actually all this, uh, this simulation uh, started um, and uh, we can also simulate, uh, simulate c- CBDCs uh, that, uh, that, um, that are used, uh, used by the banks in the large value payment system side and uh, we're actually doing something very similar with a company called Finality, um, which are, are, are developing a system to issue tokens that can be exchanged by the, by the banks um, internationally. Uh, so it's in a way like, a, um, not a CBDC system because it's not a central bank, uh, but uh, but the balances that uh, would be held by those, would be backed by those tokens would be held at the central banks. Uh, so it's possible to do simulations of both. Interesting. Um, yeah,
1: we as the Digital U Association are um, obviously very interested in the CBDC topic, but we also deal with like other forms of um, digital money and which could be, um, yeah, privately issued with stable coins, uh, etc. So, um, yeah, because we are um, slowly coming uh, to the last quarter of this um, episode, um, I want to ask you very directly, what do you think the future of money will look like? Um, Yeah, stepping uh, like one step ahead, like from CBDC, what is the future of money?
0: Yeah, so that's an excellent question. Um, the, um, we, there's lots of different um, aspects to money, like um, like a commercial bank money and central bank money. Um, there's uh, lots of different payment instruments that use different monies. We have the whole crypto world. Um, I think the central bank digital currencies will play a very very prominent role in the future of money. Um, I think um, the the other parts of the future of money will will include. Um, um, Much more APIs, much more interdependencies, uh, um, being able to, uh, um, instead of using lawyers to make uh, purchases of homes, you could uh, exchange uh, the title and and, uh, the uh, money immediately because uh, both systems are linked, much more interconnectivity, much less risks, uh, much faster. Um, and I think also like the like a, like with uber like uh, I think the innovation was that you don't have to worry about the payment so it's much more automation so things happen in the background um, um, you don 't have to have that payment transaction anymore uh, because uh, because things happen more in the background I think there's lots of opportunities that are created by the central bank digital currencies uh, um, also in the uh, in the cross border and international space uh, um, um, so the CBdc should not only be considered as a as a as a risk to mitigate for 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 different types of businesses that are in the uh, in the current uh, payment infrastructure, but also as a large opportunity to uh, to develop new services uh, on, on top of the of, top of the CBDCs. So.
1: One question that our listeners are usually concerned is the question about blockchain and uh, DLT, distributed ledger technology. How important will this be in um, your vision of the future of money?
0: Uh, I don't think we know yet. eh? So a lot of the technical uh, decisions around uh, how to uh how to um, uh, set it up haven't been decided yet. Uh, so they could be chip based, they could be account based, they could be DLT based. Uh, yesterday I heard an idea of uh, of having uh, servers, personal servers. <laughs> so I think there's quite a lot of different technical ways to uh, to um, achieve the, the the same goal. Um, so uh, so we don't um, we don't um, um, know that one yet. Uh, but uh, but I think the interesting thing about simulation is that uh, all these different types of uh, possible world scenarios can be can be tested with it. Would they be plausible? Would they work? Uh, because you can you can create the simulation model. So we um, we um, a few weeks ago actually published a research paper where we, where we calibrated a a, a a one type of CBDC for the German um, economy uh, and asked the question: Can we introduce a CBDC without affecting the um, bank's balance sheet a lot um, uh, by setting up uh, the right types of limits, the setting up the right type of uh, of system. And we show that, yes, we could do that, that the the impact on bank balance sheets might be maybe 3% uh, reduction, uh, while we would see a 30% reduction in the uh, the usage of cash and the usage of cards. So in this scenario, if it would be set up like this, the card companies would be much more affected by the banks. Uh, But that is just one scenario, so you can Create lots of different scenarios, lots of different technical setups, uh, and see sort of what would be the impact of those uh, to the uh, to the uh, current players and uh, and the uh, how the system operates, uh, what kind of throughputs it gets, uh, um, whether it's plausible with uh, with DLT technology to uh, to handle such large volumes or peak volumes, uh, um, and ask these type of questions. So. <clears throat>
1: Is this paper publicly available?
0: Yeah, it's publicly available. It's on our website. And um, it's also on the SSRN social science research network uh, page. And um, maybe we can also if you do some kind of a write up or of this one, we can associate it there. Yes.
1: Yeah, perfect. So we will link it in the show notes. And um, uh, maybe the last question for from my side, um, to have this outlook into the future, like, um, which business models could you envision in the future that could benefit from a digital payment infrastructure, or are only possible with a uh, digital payment infrastructure? And like, how would they obviously like benefit from your simulations?
0: So I I I think there's lots of different uh, business models, Um, like uh, um, the one, some of the recent ones that uh, that I've heard are being able to more quickly turn assets into payments. Uh, So the way like, for example, a lot of businesses accept Bitcoin is that uh, actually they denote it in the in the real currency and then they exchange the Bitcoins immediately when they receive them into the real currency so that they don't have that risk uh, of of uh, holding them and the value changes when what was what was agreed at the time of the payment. Uh, I think these type of sort of tra- translation services, I think uh, there will be more of them. Um, I think uh, uh, more delivery versus payment and payment versus payment versus services that you link. Uh, payment is always <clears throat> for something, so you can, it's, it's, you don't pay things for fun or the the payments that you make for, they usually distinguish a debt that uh, you created uh, or they are in exchange of something that you're going to receive. And quite a lot of payments in today's world are still, you pay first and you receive it later uh, to be able to 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 tie these uh, more tightly together. So there is only delivery when there is a payment and there's only payment when there's a delivery. When you buy a house, you know, like it's a very stressful moment when you have make the payment and uh, you haven't received the title yet. And so I think there's quite a lot of uh, these types of uh, opportunities when things go digital uh, to be able to to help people um, um, be more comfortable, um, use less time um, and um, be less, stressful uh, situations that, uh, that are related to money and payments. So.
1: Thank you very much. Um, so I would like to wrap up this post- podcast episode. Um, are there any final remarks or comments from you, Kimu?
0: No, I think it was a very enjoyable discussion and I uh, and, uh, hope we can speak uh, soon again.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Kimo Zoramecki from um, FNA. The way you talk about uh, modeling actually um, shows that you are a leading expert on this area. So it was a pleasure and an honor to have you here at the podcast of the Digital You Association about the future of money. And I wish you all a great day and I hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for the next one. See you, Kimo. Thank you. My
0: pleasure.